On this week's episode, we're going to discuss the next generation of Windows. Will it be Linux-based? Welcome to episode 345 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Michael. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jill. In addition to Ryan being completely wrong about it being Linux-based, also in this episode, we're going to discuss NVIDIA stepping up on the CPU side, and they're going to be attacking the AMD and Intel territory. So this is going to be a bold move, and we'll talk about that later on. Now let's get the show on the road toward Destination Linux. This week, our community feedback comes from Matthew. He says, big fan of the show. I love how you make Linux fun and approachable for all. Folks new to Linux sometimes get thrown in the deep end with other Linux podcasts and YouTube channels. I can send new Linux users destination Linux without any hesitation at all. Really like hearing that. That's what we want to hear. That is perfect. That is what we are trying to make, a show that is consumable for everyone and valuable to everyone. And I think we've nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, we're a little biased, but hey, there what was that? a really good... <laughs> Not biased in any way whatsoever. You might be right, because <laughs> we got Jill. There was a exactly. comment last week on our episode in which somebody said, you know, your podcast is so good, I'm thinking about giving up Windows. Like, they were a Windows user, yeah, and they were going to switch to Linux exactly. because they just love the podcast. That's exactly. how good we are, you know? But that they go on to say... Some background. I've been closely following the hacking scene for many years and plan to make transition to job in InfoSec in the near future. We have a lot of people, by the way, in our community. If you want to check out our Discord, they're a part of InfoSec as their main careers. Great opportunity to network. You see a little little hint there? (laughs) Nicely done, sir. Get in the industry. Regarding episode 344 in the Linux security article, I'd like to comment on two points covered. And this was our last week's episode, which was amazing. So if you haven't heard it, go check it out. It said the most secure general use operating system. I believe this is the case. Not only do you have open source developers reviewing, commenting, contributing towards Linux code base, you have engineers from Amazon, Microsoft, Google, Facebook, Oracle, and others doing the same. If servers at AWS are compromised at mass, the news will not be Linux was hacked. It will be Amazon was hacked. Is mm. the best interest of large cloud providers to invest in the security of Linux. You have a mix of people contributing because they're passionate and want to contribute to the free and open source movement. And you have others contributing because it's their job. Either way, it's good for Linux. I think that's a really good point to make there. I think it kind of extends on what we were saying last week, that you have a lot of companies that are also monitoring all of these security issues. In fact, some of these big security alerts and things a lot of times come from companies like Google and others saying, hey, there's this issue here. Oh, yeah, most of the time. Yeah, most of the time the vulnerabilities that are found are found by companies who are using Linux heavily. And that is a great point that the companies are going to be the ones that are being focused as hacked because that's the more clickable thing. Mm -hmm. Though Linux does have that a little bit at some points because a lot of people want to say that Linux isn't secure and they want to prove it. So they make these articles like that. But typically they're nonsense anyway. Um, But that is a great point about the companies because it's not only... The good point about the they're the focus on those cases, but also there is if it has to be a very usable and a strong operating system, if all of these companies are putting their money behind it. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And then he goes on to say the kernel creates multiple attack surfaces. This is laughable in my opinion. So he's quoting from the article there. The Linux kernel is developed by skilled engineers and seasoned professionals. It bakes in drivers, discouraging the user from installing their own drivers. Yes, whether baked in or user installed, drivers can have security flaws. That is unavoidable. That said, I would much rather have the Linux kernel team work with drivers and hardware enabling than have users add random drivers to their systems while they're trying to get some random piece of hardware running. Very common security flaw on Windows relies on bring your own vulnerable driver model. People forget that when they <laughs> buy that budget piece of hardware from unknown brand on Amazon or Alibaba, it may require you to install a driver that will have deep system privileges on your PC. Many folks don't give it a second thought. Similar hardware from tiny startups with the driver that had been thrown together by one engineer whose sole object is to get it working. This is mm -hmm. a, a big issue. Point. Yeah. Not only for the pieces of hardware like GPUs and things that you typically go find a uh, driver for, but a lot of these off-brand devices you can find cheaper versions of come with, and, and you all have seen this, you've opened an installer for one of these devices that you've bought that is a no-name brand, and you could tell it was like somebody clunked something together from some other piece of software they found, and the driver just instantly makes you think virus yes. when you're going through installing yeah. it. Like, it's, I mean, it's there's, a, there's cases where I have purchased products, and then I realized that I could only edit this thing in Windows, and... I was okay with that because it was a throwaway VM install of it. So like I have a keyboard that I do for uh, mm -hmm. real-time switching and stuff like that when we're doing the show. And we've talked about it before in the past, but the application to configure this keyboard is only for Windows. And I thought that was very sketchy, especially the way you get it is from an Amazon w AWS download, which is super oh, weird. But yeah. at the same time, it doesn't bother me as much because... I don't use Windows and I don't really care. So, but if someone was an average user and they were primary Windows, I don't know I would be okay with comfortable like recommending thing. that sort of thing. Hey, because, go to Dropbox, Michael, and install yeah, the driver it, it, for this thing. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's equivalent of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird. I think there's some really great points that you've added in here. I'm super excited about your InfoSec career. I think you're yeah. definitely... Uh, in, in a career mode, in a, in a place in the career world where a lot of businesses are looking for help here and a lot of businesses need help here. My number one you know, suggestion to you would be you've got to network because everyone I know is landing jobs these days because jobs are, no matter what industry you're in, really hard to get, are getting them because they build a network. So really good opportunity. Join our lug group as an example. Join your local lugs. Linux user groups, join in and Discord where there's InfoSec people our, around yep, to get to our know forums. people. Build well, your network. Yeah. Tuxdigital.com slash Discord and forum.tuxdigital.com. That's why we have a community, you know? And yeah. it's, exactly. it's free. We don't charge for it. We're not getting anything out of it other than you get to hang out. and We, we get, get to, to benefit to by being in the community as well, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, that's what yeah. I'm saying, though. We don't charge <laughs> people for this amazing yeah, well, benefit. We would never do that. No. We'd never do that. Just join Jill us. wouldn't let us. We tried. Jill said no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we're charge she was like, she's like, boys, let's let's not do that. Like, okay, fine, There Jill. you go. Think, Jill. Uh, yeah. They finish off by saying, by the way, that whole segment was a joke. Don't write in and tell us, blah, blah, blah. We were kidding. Okay. Um, they finish by saying, we're not kidding. On Jill is awesome. Well, Jill's awesome, but <laughs> we weren't ever going to charge for people. I, with, yeah. I mean, not with that attitude. <laughs> yeah. Well. So they finish this by saying, thanks for touching on these topics. It is always fun to hear your take. Thanks again for all you do for the community. And toxicity. 
and you all lead by example. Well, Aww. we follow Jill. Let's we follow honest. Jill. That's true. Yeah. I was and, pretty and, toxic and, before I met Jill. I wouldn't say toxic, but I said we were a little bit more Dang negative yeah. than before. So I will I will say Jill is like the beacon of hope when it comes to positivity in the Linux community. You always notice Aww. that on every video we do, there's somebody, it doesn't matter which video if we're talking about Jill directly and how much we love her or not, which is probably every episode, but so even the episodes we don't happen to mention that, there's always somebody who starts a thread that's like, we love Jill. And then there's like... 20 people that thumbs up it and heart it and all this stuff. Like she's got a whole little following outside of even <laughs> us, Michael. Well, that's funny because speaking of the discord server, there was a message just right after last episode where it said, thanks for the show at Jill. Like, wait, there's other people on the show. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, some people collect Pokemon cards. Uh, others mm -hmm. collect baseball cards. Sure. I even, I've never told people this before, have a little bit of a collection of UFC trading cards. Mm, nice. You know, I didn't even know those existed. Yeah, they're out there. And collections are vast as people's interests. You can collect things for nearly every hobby out there. However, Michael on this show has the strangest hobby of all. I have many hobbies and many collections. Now, what are you talking about? This one's very weird. You collect domain names. You collect domain names like nobody I've ever seen in my life. That's like, just ridiculous. That's it's true. That's ridiculous. I only have about 70. What's 100, 70, 100, like <laughs> my kids would say. They're 70. like, I want 70, 100 of this because that's what it's not just 70. Like Pokemon, Michael has to collect them all. Literally, and, and I mean this, any discussion we have with Michael about a new business thing always ends with, we should buy a domain for that. That's Michael's like input of let's buy a domain for that. He wants the .com, the .net, the .biz, the .community. He wants them all. He wants to collect them all because, like, they're going out of style. Okay, that's a bit excessive. I, I do have a lot of domains, and those conversations have happened. But .biz, really? <laughs> <laughs> that's the one that got you? That's the um, one you're like, I don't collect those. I have three. <laughs> those are for plebs. I still have three. <laughs> Pleb collectors are the .biz. So as yeah. you can imagine, this gets quite expensive uh, for us. But thankfully, I was able to find a solution for that, and that's where Namecheap comes in. Namecheap is a place where, as you guessed by their name, you can buy domains for cheap. Therefore, that makes cheap. sense. Yeah. And you can also host sites and they have other services there as well. So if you want to be like Michael and collect domain names or you're actually starting a business and just need one, I suggest going to Namecheap. This is where we get ours. And we have a link in the show notes where you can start your collection and support our show all at the same time. You can do both at the same time. In fact, they could probably go to a really clever URL that you probably bought, Michael. So I got that, a domain for this, yeah. Ryan. What you do? What's that domain, Michael? DestinationLinux.net slash Namecheap. See, the .net was a thing, but I wish it was .biz now because then I've been like, oh, you did buy a .biz. <laughs> well, so .net, I could add to my Linux. collection, Ryan. What about yeah. .tv? Well, well don't, don't encourage him, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> so click that link and see if you can out-collect Michael. Let's talk about something, and we're going to try our hardest not to be toxic on this topic here. In fact, Michael, I don't want you to laugh when I say Microsoft Hearts Linux. Good job. But they don't necessarily heart Google. So oh, we haven't clear. seen that slogan. So there's some controversy and we love controversy. We got some tea, Michael. We got some tea here about <laughs> 
Why are you laughing? That's that's what they, the term you use. That's you what got. the kids say, bro. That's what the kids say out there. I'm so hip. Yeah. Hello, hello fellow kids. <laughs> so bad. All right. So there's some controversy about Microsoft's move to keep its Edge browser relevant. If you've tried to install Google Chrome from Edge, you might have noticed that there's already this plethora of pop-ups that will come up. They have an ad banner that kind of goes across the top and all this stuff. I think it even has a literal pop-up going in the middle of your screen. Like, are you sure you want to switch? Have you tried all the features of Bing? When you go and type Chrome in your Bing Well, Windows Bing users browser. love pop-ups, so. Yeah. They do. <laughs> yeah, you don't know if it's a virus or the operating system. We're both. We're, they're all We're the same uh, there. So... They're trying to get you to change your mind, and Microsoft has recently ramped this up with some additional stop gaps to keep users from switching, including a poll. So now it asks a, pulls up a poll and asks you to fill out a survey of why you're downloading Chrome. Why are you doing this, people? Why are you abandoning the, are this amazing browser? Yeah, and so they ask you multiple questions about why you're deciding to use another browser. They're really upset with you, and obviously Microsoft is betting big on Bing, which used to be kind of a joke back in the day. And now, you know, there's a lot, they're starting to take some market Still share. Still kind of a joke, but it's a little bit yeah, more improved. A little bit less of a joke. Yeah. yeah, And that's because of their $10 billion bet on ChatGPT. I think that was quite brilliant with their integration of ChatGPT into Bing. And they're wanting to get some return on that. And obviously to get some return on that, you need to get users over there and keep people in edge and dethrone a little bit of Chrome, but Bing is still using the Chromium, I mean, Edge is still using the Chromium engine, yes. which of course, that's an interesting so move. So Google's still gonna dominate because of that. You know, the, Google's engine is still in domination because Chromium, Edge is based on Chromium, Google makes Chromium, therefore they're still gonna dominate no matter what. But it is interesting that they're doing this, and especially with the poll, because the poll asks you, oh, why are you leaving? Or why are you downloading a different browser? And when you do so, it gives you options that are basically like, Edge isn't good, or it can't load the things. And it's got actual complaints that people have submitted in the public and, and stuff like that. So it's interesting that their poll provides reasons that are possibly real reasons. So uh, I think it's, Kind of interesting, but also I know why people would get mad at this because it's just a pop-up and everybody hates pop-ups and that, that sort of stuff. But it kind of makes sense. If you have a if you are a service provider or you create a product and you have the opportunity to ask someone why they don't want to use your service or your product, wouldn't you want to know? Because then you could help improve it and that sort of stuff. You can get this feedback. So I think it kind of makes sense to do it. And it also makes me question, do they do it for Firefox as well? Hmm. I don't think so. I don't think Firefox yeah. is the big thing there. But Jill, what is your take? To me, this is shady. What do you think? I, I do think it's it's on the edge of being shady. Ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> so I'm I'm with Michael. It is you know they they oh, are. Sh uh, hold on one second, just to quickly go back to your dad <laughs> joke. I want to give you the the proper response I should have given, but I forgot to, okay. and that's. Bing. <laughs> oh my gosh! What is happening? Oh, that that was. Don't funny, laugh at him, Michael. Jill. Only encourages him. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Jill. <laughs> that was awesome. 
So I agree with Michael. You know, I I I do actually think it's okay, and you know, at least the questions are are actually in a side action center panel. Um, they could have been in um, the a pop up in the center of the screen, which I don't think they were from what the article was saying. That yeah. the questions are just on the side in the action center. They opened and, a sidebar sort of thing. Yeah, and the that's sidebar. not as bad. You know, yeah. if it was actually on top of the the web page for Chromium, yes. or Chrome, that would be a problem. <laughs> but you know, or or if Clippy popped up. <laughs> Actually, if right. Cliffy popped up, I would love that. I'm going to use Bing. I, I was going to say edge. that. I, that. I, yeah, I would use Bing and Edge specifically so when Clippy would pop up. Yeah. Yes, I, I kind of agree with that. Clippy would be a little more friendly. Game changer. More pop ups. More important than your $10 billion chat GPT. Bring Clippy back. <laughs> Who needs yeah. AI? We need, we need Clippy. Clippy okay? was AI. Yes. Clippy but, was you alive. know, honestly, the fact that Microsoft <laughs> is actually so paranoid. Clippy was sentient. That's <laughs> sentient. <laughs> so, but the fact that Microsoft is actually so paranoid that they feel they need to ask these questions does demonstrate their fear of losing market share in the browser wars once again. Dun, dun, dun. Hint, yeah. hint. Internet Explorer versus Netscape. Yeah. I think. All over this again. Is, this, I, I don't think Microsoft is paranoid <laughs> at all. I don't think this is a sign of paranoia. I think this is a sign <laughs> of them having metrics and knowing people are leaving in yeah. droves and are wondering, is there a way we could stop them from stop leaving? Stop them. And, that, and right? that's so true. In fact, I- Because you know they have telemetry. <laughs> yeah. So, in fact, I did some research on that. Uh, according to StatCounter, uh, the Edge browser is only at 5.29% browser market share worldwide compared to Chrome's dominance of 63.45% of the browser market share worldwide. Yeah. And so then, they are and concerned. Then, they don't want to lose subscribers. Although they've actually, when you look at the stat counter, they actually, uh, this year, uh, they went up uh, a percentage higher than they did last year. Yeah, and, and it's hard to edge. get any gain in that in that world. I mean, yeah. we've, we've had multiple individuals from different browsers on our podcast that have developed their own. Um, and it's very difficult to get anybody to move browsers or search engines for that matter, whether you're talking about Opera, you're talking about Firefox or any of those. So obviously Microsoft has a lot bigger pockets than most and can throw billions at this. I think the part that becomes shady is just the sheer amount of, if it was just the poll, It'd be one thing, but they've been kind of doing the poll. Plus, as soon as you type Chrome in in the Bing engine, it has this yeah, advertising pops up to stay with us, and has a big yeah. Microsoft Bing advertising as your first result. And it just—it's just they're trying so hard that it just comes across as like you know what you're doing with Chat GPT yeah. is literally innovating on top of a product in order to get people to use it. And that's what you're going to have to do. Bing essentially, or Edge essentially, is just Chrome now. So everything is based on how good your search engine is. I feel like all the search engines, when you look at Chrome or Google search engine and you look at Bing now, are garbage. They've gotten worse, not better, since all of this innovation. Have you guys run across this where your search results are now 
far yeah. worse than they ever were in the yes. past to get what you're actually looking for. Google has you have started to go to like third or four four pages sometimes. Yeah. It's and so sometimes annoying. it would give you stuff that's completely irrelevant. Like I would search for a specific set yeah. of keywords and it would grab only one of those keywords instead of trying to get them all. Which yeah. is the exact opposite of what they're supposed to do. <laughs> and, and it's annoying because then they'll have the slash for the word not found. You're like, what? This never yeah. used to yeah. be a thing. <laughs> I, I think the person who can kind of take AI and then combine it into actual relevant search results versus just trying to sell you crap all the time will probably be the next person to dominate this. But there is a massive antitrust lawsuit right now going on against Google about this very thing that they basically on their Android devices and, and Apple devices that they were paying uh, telecom companies as well as paying Apple to make their search engine dominant. And this is creating an antitrust issue. So there's a lot of places that Google's being attacked right now for what they're doing, their dominance in this. And Microsoft obviously being smart like they are trying to capitalize on that with Bing. But geez, just give us good search results. That would in itself... I nice. think would would help make somebody move over there. Like I love DuckDuckGo, but that's my big complaint, especially at the beginning with DuckDuckGo, is you didn't always get the latest results for things, mm. like the newest results and oh, and that. Yeah. But now I feel that same way about Google and all yeah, of them. Yeah, on the bright side, good. Google getting worse makes DuckDuckGo look better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, DuckDuckGo is pretty good for the most part, but it does sometimes leave something to be desired because you know that that is not the best results you could get. And then you do the same results in Google and that proves it. But now it feels like Google's not even giving me the right stuff anymore. And I, I think it's interesting that all of this stuff is happening right now because we have such innovation in technology and the AI stuff is game changing in some ways and absolute garbage in other ways. Like there are times where I feel like people are implementing AI just because they want to say that they did. And then they don't even consider the fact that it's not always the best choice. And it, it feels like they're doing this with their search engines resulting in worse results. Because if you go to these chat systems and these AI bots and you ask them for, res for search results, which people are doing now, they'll give you these results that may or may not be correct, but they will guarantee you that they are correct in this, the message it gives you, which is kind of like, you're supposed to trust this thing that is guaranteeing, even if you ask it something that you know is wrong, it's gonna be wrong about, it will still 100% say, yes, I am sure this is the correct answer. And then you correct it and it goes, oh, my bad, I, I actually don't have that information. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's 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 really like they're floundering around to try and find the best use case for yeah. AI. That, well, that's kind of like, what I feel like. Well, it's I think like, they get stockholders excited when they go in there yeah. and say, we're oh, implementing yeah. AI, even if their business model makes no sense True, for yeah. it. And so they get the stockholders excited and then they implement some poor version of it. And then, you know, people are, I think Michael makes a good point. I think people are exaggerating what the capabilities of AI are now, although I think it will exponentially grow with the amount of money that's being pumped into it. Uh, I think right now it's not as big of a deal as people like to think it is, at least in the versions that we get to see. That, yeah. and that's, that's my theory about what's happening with Google and Bing. They used to be better results. They used to be better. But the AI stuff started around the same time that these search engines started getting worse. 
Yeah. I think there's a correlation between those two. Well, look how oh, bad yeah, Siri is. Good. And it Wait. made the news this week that Apple is behind in AI and now is investing billions of dollars in servers and things to catch up in AI. And I'm like, haven't you been working on AI since Siri became a thing? I mean, I've never seen it actually <laughs> yeah. progress. But I think so. Here's wait, this is you, the wonderful news about Siri is that Siri was created by a different third party company that had the majority of what became Siri already made. Apple bought it, added some little bit of polish onto it, and then hey, we're done. And we're I think that's where they stopped. We finished. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they might add a couple features here and there overall in the app, like it integrates with something else new or whatever, but they're not really advancing it. I, I I doubt that they have done anything other than just make it look good and make it more polished. Uh, but in some ways, it is kind of the best of all of them, which is just sad because that just means the rest of them are terrible. <laughs> they are really bad. So here's where my conspiracy theory starts to go wild, though. So I was thinking about this, Michael. I know you. I know you told me to stop thinking about things, but I couldn't help it. Started thinking about this really in depth. And then something popped up. I'm glad up. you tried to stop thinking about things. <laughs> Thank you. And what I found was a Microsoft installation guide for Linux. Yeah. Now, this is not just an installation guide that's like, here's how to install WSL. That would make sense, right? Which is the subsystem for Linux that you can have mm -hmm. within Windows itself. This actually goes through a full install of Linux written by Microsoft yeah. in their guide of how to wipe your machine and put Linux on it. So unlike this edge controversy, this guide actually talks Linux up as well in it. It's not like trying to persuade you to not do this or yeah. say, hey, Windows has these advantages. You should probably stay in Windows. But if you it doesn't say anything like that. For it instance, this is a quote from the guide. It says, Linux is an operating system similar to Windows, but with many different versions due to the nature of being open source and fully customizable. Like it's selling Linux, I feel yeah. like, in that yeah. paragraph there. Absolutely. Like if I knew nothing about Linux and I read that, I'm like, dang, that's pretty cool. It's fully open source and fully customizable. That's awesome. So what's the play here with Microsoft? That's what was on my mind. What are they doing here? Is this the introduction to Linux that they're doing to rebase like Microsoft did with Chromium? Mm -hmm. Why keep making new Windows versions, right? When you can simply just make Linux distro and let everyone else do the work for you, essentially. You're just adding some polish on top of it. I see where you're going there. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to, my take on this is there is zero chance that's what's happening. Hmm. I am very confident so that. So there's still a chance. <laughs> that's a zero chance. That's point one. Yeah. You didn't say it was, if it was zero. Zero, point zero, 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 zero. You're zero, saying zero. zero point zero, 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 zero. Zero, zero. Is there any one if we keep going down? Sure, Ten. sure. So After 200 zeros, there is a one. There we I, go. <laughs> so we're saying there's a chance. So the, in my opinion, what they're doing is really just promoting Linux in a way that benefits WSL. And it also keeps people from going to Linux. Because I know it seems like that's what they're doing, but the, the main point of this is to promote WSL and the value of it. And it makes them look much better in the eyes of the people who they're trying to advertise to that they're not just focusing on their own thing. They're talking about the whole ecosystem. 
but they do it in a very generic, general, generalized way. They don't just say, here's how to install this specific distro. Or if you want to install Linux Mint, this is how you do it. You want to install Ubuntu, this is how you do it. If you want to install Fedora, this is how you, they don't do that. They give you like a generic way of Linux, but not a full-blown step-by-step thing. So I feel like it kind of is their sign of saying, yes, Linux is here, you can use it, but also you could just use it in WSL and then have all the best of both worlds. And it's so much easier, right? Click a yeah, few buttons. That's what I feel like they're doing it for. Mm, You're okay. probably right, but I'm not the only one that believes that Windows can make this move. And I think you have to take into consideration the fact that Microsoft did this with Chromium. Like, why? Why not make continue there, making a their own engine? There. What's the difference? It's, okay. The big difference between the browser switch and the platform switch is that they have dominance in Windows. They, they've, they've had it forever. They had a browser that everyone hated and switched anyway. Like, even when, when what was it, Explorer? That's what it was called, Explorer. <laughs> Was, trying to forget. Yeah, I was trying to forget. I was <laughs> trying to black it out like because it was like a very dark moment in, in time. Yes. But Explorer 10, 11, and 12 were actually much better than before. They were, they were standard compliant. They were innovating in uh, CSS compatibility and all sorts of different stuff. And then you look at Edge, they basically just adopted Chromium. And the, and the reason I feel like it is because Explorer had such a bad reputation for so many years that they were never going to get that back. They were just like, you know what? It's not worth it because we don't really care that much about the browser all, like, in that you. sense. At the end, you know? you're saying, hey, Microsoft doesn't have to because Windows is more popular. Well, they also they've been already losing had market like, share. They're losing market share, but only like maybe less than 10%, right? Yeah. Well... You have to also think of the fact that Microsoft's invested a lot in Linux. So they're spending a lot of money already in Linux. That's true. Including their Azure platform, WSL. You've got Steam Proton, which has removed a lot of the barriers for gaming. And finally, Mm. Microsoft is eager to get ARM-based processors going in laptops to compete with Apple. And Microsoft's NT kernel desperately needs to get rid of its bloat. Like That's its biggest hurdle right now is it's so bloated. And all of mm. these things, when I started thinking about them, make Linux pretty appealing to rebase off of. Uh, I actually, that last part makes me question myself. Uh, <laughs> very, very well spoken, Ryan. And I actually agree with what Ryan is speculating. Honestly, ever since the Microsoft Loves Linux campaign was started many years ago, I always had the thought in the back of my mind that Microsoft wanted to rebase Windows to Linux, not the least of which I started seeing them pop up at Linux conventions, yeah. <laughs> like the Southern California Linux Expo and some other local conventions I've gone to, uh, like Big Data Day, and we also had Code Camp at USC, and they were always there with their booth with with the big banner that says mm-hmm. Microsoft Love Tux Penguin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and it just you know it creeped us all out, <laughs> and uh, you know as Microsoft started using Linux more and more on the back end for cloud infrastructure, and they're acquiring GitHub, 
and making the Windows subsystem for Linux, the possibility of Windows becoming a Linux distro just felt more real. I I I I felt like from from that very point that that in time it could happen. Right? It could happen. It's not that yeah. it will happen. It just could. And it, it, could, it just yeah. You see these signs and you start building this little conspiracy of thinking, you know, it wouldn't be that big of a jump as it was in the past when obviously Microsoft hated it. And it would be fascinating. Imagine yeah. Windows releases a distro, maybe partners with Ubuntu or somebody else to release a distro. And we're reviewing a Windows distro on this show. Like, yeah, it could happen. It could well, happen. They, maybe uh, episode four hundred. Yeah, they've 5, already 000. made two versions of a Linux distro for them for themselves in house. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that there's definitely going to be a Microsoft <laughs> distro that is a not even just a test bed like they have, but I think they're going to make a significantly impactful large distro, probably just for the cloud and stuff like that with Azure, but. I, I don't think they're going to be switching away from Windows because there is so little incentive for them to do so. And if they did, they would be competing. Like they would basically take their their position in the market share of dominance and then voluntarily sharing it with every other Linux distro. I just don't think they're going to do that because yeah. there's so little incentive to do it other than the arm part obviously linux is a fantastic experience with arm and that's been proven many times over with many years but if they could figure out a way to make windows not have to worry about that and still work on arm i think that's definitely their play they're going to do because there's so much backlash that could happen for their bottom line if they did a Linux distro because of the whole, if anybody could just switch to Ubuntu and have zero ramifications of doing so, why wouldn't they, right? Well, you've yeah. got the licensing thing, like, and, and there's the popularity of it. So if I was Dell or HP or any of the other PC manufacturers out there and Windows rebases off of Linux, the idea that all of a sudden I'm just going to be like, well, now I'm just going to use Ubuntu on my Dells and stuff and sell that versus use, utilizing the Windows version of Linux is very small, at least for the time being. But you made a really good point that the competition from the fact that they would have to make all of these enhancements they're making open source, right, based on how the kernel's licensed, then everyone could start grabbing that and taking that would be an interesting problem that they would have to overcome because there may be a point where an Ubuntu or Fedora or something else comes in and actually offers a better version. But when you think about the talent at Microsoft, now I know for a fact, we've been written into this show that Microsoft employees actually mm -hmm. listen to this show and that in fact, some of their engineers or software engineers play this show while they're working Hi, Microsoft office. developers. Yay. So, you know, there's a, there is a true, I think, amongst their employees, a true love and passion for Linux and open source that exists there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think yeah. that's super exciting. And so I think they might want to push for something like this. But either way, you know, I don't know that it definitely won't happen in the next version of Windows. I think there's a lot of controversy about Windows potentially going subscription-based and other things like that. But it would be cool. It would it be, would be cool. cool. Yeah. I, I, I'm saying I don't expect it to happen, but it would be very valuable for Linux as a platform, and it would become a kind of a, a huge stepping stone for people to get into Linux easier. But also, I feel like there is some element 
that I think that some people would hate this. And oh, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. yes. Yes, yeah. Yeah. they would yeah. absolutely hate the idea of yeah. Microsoft being into Linux that deep. And I've even seen people say that, you know, that they don't want, they wouldn't use Linux if Microsoft was involved and that sort of stuff. They're already involved. And and that's the case. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's They're what one of I the biggest responded. contributors to the Linux kernel. Yeah. I, I mean, they were, they were yeah. the biggest contributor for a specific year. I don't know how yeah. much they do every year, but they have been doing it every year consistently for at least a decade, probably more. They also contribute to uh, a funding in a lot of conferences and they have fun, they fund yeah. a lot of projects and stuff too. And there's sponsorships and collaborations with all sorts of different they've companies. They've following the rules. It's not yeah. like they're sneaking past uh, metadata grabs in the kernel past uh, Linus Torvalds. Like, he ain't well, I mean, that crap happen, they know? would probably try it if they, they thought they could have. do it, but yeah. there's <laughs> they but know that there's no chance we have a that guardian would ever happen. There, you know, yeah. we got Thanos at the gate. You ain't getting past him. <laughs> Thanos Torvalds. I love <laughs> Thanos Torvalds. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I actually, uh, Sasha Wait, Nutella. Wait, why, why Thanos? He's not know. a guardian. <laughs> he's the opposite of a guardian. Gar- just, he's ruining super things. powerful. Like, you know, with all, <laughs> shut up. What yeah. are you going to say, Jill? So the, the CEO of Microsoft, Sasha Nutella, I think has been brilliant. He has played this so well. And, and especially now, you know, I don't, I don't find, you know, back when I was telling my story earlier, Back then, it was creepy, you know, <laughs> Microsoft wanting, yeah, yeah. Want, wanting to be uh, loving Linux and, and all that. Yeah, when they first but, announced it, because it was like yeah, when he first took we over, they nervous. made that announcement. Like, yeah, sure, buddy, sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I really think uh, he, he just, he, he it, it's all about the money at Microsoft, and they make a lot of money on Linux in the server and the, you know, the cloud and Azure and, and AI, you know, AI and GitHub. So it's, it, it, it makes sense. They're kind of going where the, the money is and they want to, they uh, want to say, oh, you know, we like this other operating system too. And they make money off Linux. <laughs> yeah. So. I think it's just because they want to make themselves look like they're a part of the team, you know? Yeah. They want to be cool like that us. Too. You yeah. can't yeah, be cool like that. us. They want to join the cool kids club. The cool kids. But, We're the cool yeah, kids uh, club now? When did <laughs> Linux become the cool kids club? Exa- I mean, sure. When Jill just, joined? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, I didn't have a time frame, but that is exactly the answer. <laughs> right. Oh, well, speaking uh, previously on uh, the employees at Microsoft, I congratulate you. I actually have met a lot of employees that work at Microsoft who've never touched Windows. They're only working on Linux for Microsoft. So that's That's awesome. Yeah. So we're talking about ARM earlier, which brings in the next story here and completes my controversy. You see what I've done? Yes. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged 
really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. Tell us, Michael, Did that about well. what's going on here to complete my master plan of controversy. Okay, so now that you have your minds all wrapped around the Microsoft controversy that Ryan has set up, let's add some more fuel to that fire. So let's talk about ARM and how it could be the next big thing for NVIDIA. Yes. NVIDIA. Now, there's a race right now to compete with Apple's widely successful ARM-based processors. And Apple, to be fair, they really did make a very good CPU. There's a lot of people who would say Apple doesn't make anything themselves and they're not actually a good company. And depending on how you're talking about it, they're, they're not. But when you come to the CPU side, their chips are really powerful it's and not debatable. Yeah. yeah, and very efficient and all of this. And Ryan and I have both used Apple laptops with these new chips just to see if the hype was real. And it is. They it's absolutely are impressive. impressive. Yeah. I mean, not just from being efficient, but they're also very usable in terms of the various applications you can use them. You would assume that this thing is not as it feels like it's underpowered because you just based on the specs and how much wattage it needs and all that sort of stuff. And then you push it through with a video editing or, you know, rendering stuff and it handles it just fine. Yeah. It's incredible actually what they've been able to pull off from a GPU standpoint and the CPU standpoint, because they're all yeah. combined on this one chip. Yeah. They're getting performance that a dedicated GPU, a lot of dedicated GPUs would have a hard time hitting and it's it's phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal what they did. They obviously have trillions of dollars to do it, so maybe not as phenomenal uh, as maybe a startup company doing it, but it's quite it's not that impressive with trillions of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> with trillions of dollars, I create a cool CPU too. But uh, they've done some amazing things here. There, there's no taking that away from them. And I think that they have absolutely scared the crap out of Intel, oh, AMD, yeah. and everybody else with yeah. what they've done here. Um, you know, Intel for a while there was pretty cocky and they probably were laughing when Apple was like, hey, we're going to move away from their, your silicon again. We're going to move away from x86 and we're going to go to ARM. And I remember people talking about the fact of, oh, you're going to have so many problems with compatibility. And then Apple created Rosetta and this Rosetta 2 version, I believe, and Rosetta was just absolutely incredible at emulation. In fact, Windows, which I tried this recently, actually runs better on my Mac than a dedicated Windows machine using parallels and emulation. Like it's fast and snappy. And I'm like, wow, this is what Windows could be being emulated. Wow. Like it, it's unbelievable, some of the stuff. And then of course, you've got Asahi Linux, which you can install on your Mac as well. Uh, there, which is very cool. They're making big gains there with that OS if you want to check out the big hardware. Big gains with a Z at the end. Gains with the Z, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, so 
NVIDIA entering the ARM market and the CPU market specifically is very interesting. Here's a company that's also now valued at a trillion plus dollars because of their AI, their GPUs being used in AI. And they're coming out swinging, saying that they're going to have in 2024, 2025, their first version of a ARM-based CPU for Windows machines. And that, to me, is fascinating when you combine it with the fact that AMD has also been investing in ARM and says they're going to be releasing some CPUs in 2025 and even sooner. And so you've got everybody kind of going into this market, and it's a race to see who can keep up and hopefully surpass Apple there. Um, You know, Qualcomm just got in the news for catching up with the M1, and Apple's about to release the M3. So that kind of shows you how far some of the other ARM-based companies are. Well, also, it's this is are. insane to me because this is not just crazy that people are doing this thing to uh, battle with Apple. Companies always compete with Apple, and they always wait until Apple does something. The thing that's crazy and insane is that Apple innovated something. They actually did it first, yeah. which is... What? That's they not, usually that's come in later Apple. and make it better yeah, and more they, user-friendly. They friendly. take something that's yeah. clunky, it's a good idea, and then they polish right. it. This is, yeah. they took something that everyone thought was a terrible idea and then proved it wasn't. And the reason why I think that they were so successful in it is because, well, they're Apple and they have kind of like this kind of a grip on the neck of a lot of the market when it comes to various different industries. So, People were willing to do it, but also the Rosetta stuff was like, that is really what makes it work. And I fear that AMD having an ARM chip, NVIDIA having an ARM chip, Intel having maybe having an ARM chip, and other companies introducing ARM chips that are going to compete at this level. I fear that this is going to cause a massive problem with compatibility because Apple is a single company that has a single OS, that has a single everything, and it's all encompassing. Whereas these companies are all competing with the same OS, but ARM is not made to work the same across every instruction set. Like every every device is effectively its own system. That's why you have to have different ROMs made for specific Android devices and that sort of stuff. So are we going to have to deal with different ROMs Mm. for each of these ARM chips? That's actually kind of terrifying if, if they're going to compete in this way because there's going to be some need to have a universal. Even for Windows, there's going to be some need for a universal solution there. We're gonna yeah, be going they're going to need the some uh, i386 standards like Intel does with AMD and the other competitors. They're gonna, we're going to have to have some kind of unifying code there. <laughs> yeah, or we go back to the days where, do you remember like in Windows 3.11, probably Windows 95, maybe some of 98, where you would have to go find specific drivers that the operating system would not find for you. You'd have to go hunt them down, download all of your bus drivers, your specific Mm. sound controllers in your drive, all of the individual drivers (laughs) for each thing to work with your motherboard because the stuff was not standardized at all. It's much less today. It still happens some, but very little today. But I when you were saying that, Michael, that's what was going through that's my head is those thinking. days of hunting exclamation marks all I across feel like that's the coming back. system profiles. What is old back. is new again. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> well, the, the other thing that's interesting about this is NVIDIA 
has gone into the CPU realm before with the NVIDIA Tegra. I have lots in, of NVIDIA Tegra devices in my collection, including my Ouya game console, the Android-based game console that I've done a treasure hunt on uh, a long time ago here on Destination Linux. And... You know, that never really took off. And part of that, it was, it was it was a little slow and clunky. Yes, it did a good job with games and multimedia. But other than that, it wasn't a very powerful processor. So what, what NVIDIA is doing now is they're getting into high-performance computing with ARM. And so that's the differentiation there. Yeah. Uh, and you're competing at an insane rate. Like we yeah. were, if you go back and listen to Hardware Addicts podcast, we were talking about going to seven nanometer and how unbelievably impressive that was. Yeah. Now you're talking about Apple's chips being three nanometer. Uh, like I they know. halved it yeah. out of nowhere. And seven was insane. We went from 14 to seven. It was like, what? And now we're talking three nanometer. And yeah. just the, the, ability to use the big little architecture that's so popular in ARM to create the efficiencies and things that they have is incredible. So the fact they're going to be using this in, in instruction set is just not surprising to me, but Michael's hundred percent right about the compatibility issues this could create if there's no standardization, mm -hmm. but it also completes my theory, which is why I brought you along this journey. It would be much easier for windows to rebase off Linux with all this ARM support coming in because Linux rocks the arm. Let's not forget about Absolutely. Raspberry Pi here. Yes. First, we're the best. We do arm better than anybody else. So Windows would be smart to rebase everything on arm right here. Or Linux yeah. and then arm. Yeah. Absolutely, Ryan. Order. I'm and actually, you know, very positive about the Linux future on arm or the advanced risk machines processor, especially because of the rich Linux history using the ARM architecture and actually risk in general. So Linux supports ARM, you know, on cell phones and routers and IoT and on ARM processors used by NASA, SpaceX and the aerospace industry, not to mention industrial applications and the various SOCs and single board computers like the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. <laughs> and we have the fine work being done by Asahi Linux to port Linux to modern Mac M1, M2, and M3 in the future processors. The RISC architecture in general has been Unix and Linux first and started with Digital Equipment Corporation, Sun Microsystems, and SGI machines. So we, we have huge lineage here in the RISC architecture which is a major part of, of ARM. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Windows, so. <laughs> you merely adopted the darkness. We yeah. were born in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now we have the open RISC-V chips coming, which already has Linux support out of the box. And speaking of which, RISC-V chips are already present in most of our GPUs, CPUs, and other computer parts like hard drives, and including NVIDIA GPUs. And also so, some soldering gun things. Yeah, soldering guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Pine64. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. An interesting yeah. little note from our patron room is Wendy just said DaVinci Resolve has just announced they're coming to ARM. So that's oh, very yeah. cool oh, yeah. to see yeah, that's, that that's, that's coming. That is good. Works. I mean, yeah. I, I want awesome. to see the Risk Five architecture become a true competitor to ARM. So I would like to see Intel and AMD compete on that side. 
So mm-hmm. sure, make an ARM one too. You shouldn't not have that because why not? But also make a Risk Five because I think that the it feels like everyone's adopting a single technology of ARM. Yeah, and that yeah. that can't be great. You that know, can't they're, be they're good. with x86, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean that's more of a standardization of like an architecture, but it wasn't a like the the problem with ARM is that the separation that each of these devices have and each of these chips have from each other because they were designed that way to be more efficient it creates a huge problem whereas like there's fragmentation between just one arm chip to another arm chip you know so with x86 sure there's one technology but also there's compatibility between the two so you can yeah. have your software run on either one and it doesn't really matter whereas with ARM, yeah. you you're lucky. You think if you Windows get it to is work. bloated now? Wait till they have to load the 80 <laughs> different ARM <laughs> architectures inside yeah. of it to get it to work. They're gonna you're gonna they're gonna go back into installing the like what I was making a joke about what is old is new again is I think that installing plugins and drivers and all of that stuff is gonna come back because of the specific ARM chip that you might have. They're gonna have to just pull it in and. There's otherwise yeah. it would be at a massive, already massive Windows, you know. This is like what we used to do in the in the eighties with yeah. risk systems. You know what? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a I'm gonna give you a crazy thought. Instead of this ARM system and these Risk Five, even instead of X86, what I want is that Microsoft rebase on punch cards. Yeah. And hey, bring back I'm punch all cards. for that. Jill's the only one who know how to use a computer, you know, out of all of us. We'll rely on Jill for everything. Well, now that you guys have experienced my, you know, extravaganza of conspiracy theories here, I think it's time. Your cornucopia of conspiracies. Yeah. We move on to something a little happier, like our gaming section. What do we got in the gaming section, Jill? Okay, so Michael and Ryan actually have intense debates over the age-old question, which is better, cupcakes or muffins? Cupcakes. <laughs> muffins. Cupcakes. <laughs> so It's okay to be wrong, Jill. You're, you have a right to be wrong. Oh, we're still fighting. <laughs> You're still fighting. You guys are still fighting. So one developer named Project 610 is trying to dethrone Ryan's claim that cupcakes <laughs> like, are superior. It's like Mike Tyson knockout. <laughs> yes. So the game this week is called Here Goes Muffin. You explore various environments as a muffin in this exploratory physics-based puzzle platformer starring a muffin with legs. Naturally. And and it's a little creepy, (laughs) too. Honestly, I think muffins are clearly the best. Yes. But as a platformer, it is a little creepy. (laughs) So... The upbeat 8-bit music works especially well with the pixelated graphics of the muffin and 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 the maps that you traverse through. Mm. And as you move your muffin along 2D platforming obstacles, you collect treats along the way, such as a mm. popsicle, which then allows you to jump up to the next pa- platform, and a lollipop wheel that lets you climb hills and hang below platforms. So cute, it hurts. <laughs> yes. And yeah, like I said earlier, the muffin is a little creepy looking, but it's actually very cute in its creepiness. That's how it's I describe almost Michael. kawaii. <laughs> no. He's, 
You, you didn't mind creepiness? creepiness? Yeah. I mean, and- <laughs> maybe a little bit. So this blueberry muffin game called Here Goes Muffin. And yes, it is a blueberry muffin. <laughs> Which is one of the best muffins ever. It, it actually is. Classic. Legendary, in I fact. will give you that, Michael. So this game can be purchased on Steam for 25% off for $2.99 till October 30th. And there is also a free demo available to download that you can play on our Linux Penguins right out of the box. Hooray yeah. for Here Goes Muffin. I do like the all- name of Here Goes Muffin. <laughs> yes. I can feel you getting all high and mighty, Michael, that we've got a muffin game here. I want you <laughs> I would never notice. ever do that except for, of course I am, because muffins yeah. are best. Well, I, Because listen, you didn't get a game. If you didn't, well, I did. I found a cupcake game, which we'll talk oh, about in a did. second. But I want to tell you that the plot of this game is you collect various sweets. You know why? Because the true story is the muffin wants to become a cupcake and wants to be sweet, wants to have the frosting, <laughs> wants to have a candy on top. And that's the real story behind this game, which okay. makes it so a win that, for me. That is uh, an interesting perspective that you're, you're saying. Mm-hmm. However, I would like to counterpoint with... A lollipop has absolutely nothing to do with either one. And also a popsicle to jump. I don't think there's a story here, right? <laughs> there is. It's another conspiracy that the true story behind this game is the muffin wants to become a cupcake. That's my conspiracy there. So true, well, Ryan. A, Thank you, a, a muffin does not need to become a cupcake. A cupcake is a cake that is just small. Like no. that's, that's, that's just, that's sad, oh really, gosh. if you think about it. It's like... It's like a cu- it's a cupcake is a cake that couldn't really become a full cake. It's like you know, That's spoken like a true pen chewer. Where, so I found- whereas muffins are decadent and dense and flavorful, and and there's so many varieties. Whereas cupcakes only value is icing, and you can ha- and that's not great. Uh, who cares? You know. You know what you no, never see out there cream is muffin filled. Shop. Or jelly filled. Yes, you do. Even Seinfeld made a top made a st- yeah. an episode no, about I've it. I've never seen a muffin shop. There's plenty of Very, cupcake shops out there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Shop. Fair enough. You know why? It's because every single cafe and coffee shop that has ever existed has them yeah. anyway. Yeah. You don't need to do that because they know it's such a staple. Nobody you don't, wants to you don't go in into a, a coffee shop. You don't go into a coffee shop and say, "Oh, I want a cupcake." They'd be like, "Are you are you okay?" You want a you want a muffin, right? Like, see, that's that's why. Oh, so you you clearly aren't familiar with Starbucks cake pops, which are just cupcakes oh, and the, a popsicle. Oh, oh course. Ryan, that's one of my favorite treats of all I, time. Okay, cake pops. I am familiar with those. So technically, Starbucks has both. So I guess we'll we'll consider it a tie right now. Oh, all right. Pop, well, I found delicious. a game for the true non pen chewers out there, the cupcake lovers that you can play right from your browser. Because I wasn't going to leave you with just a muffin game. I'm not a pen chewer, people. I'm just clarifying. <laughs> if you want to go to Papa's Cupcakeria in your browser, <laughs> we'll have a link. It's from crazygames.com. Papa's Cupcakeria. You can make little perfect cupcakes and run your own bakery. And another advantage, you get real life skills learning how to make cupcakes through this game. That is why cupcakes with are not here, only here, best here tasting goes muffin. Food, you can use the, you, you can learn the real life skill of taking popsicles and attaching them to your feet so you can jump higher. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think true. that's how that works. And the sticks, and the sticks stick out. <laughs> oh man! So you get two games this week. We're giving you lots of value. Yeah, here. so much value. You get here goes. 
<laughs> oh, and Papa's Cupcakeria is made using Ruffle. Yes, Ruffle is the open source version of Adobe Flash. And it you, runs very well. You know what I love about Jill Michael is I put this stupid game in here. And she's, she's no research. She on it. I just it found <laughs> a cupcake game and she goes and does this behind the scenes research to determine it was actually made with an open source. I had no yep. clue. I was just trying to find a cupcake game to battle this muffin game and I just oh have to get goodness. lucky. It sounds like I planned that. <laughs> All right, yeah, you, Jill, you tell planned us. that Jill would go beyond, <laughs> go above and beyond. <laughs> What's our software spotlight this week, Jill? So this week, our software spotlight is proton pass. Yay. You're, you've likely heard us talk about proton mail and the many features this privacy focused email service provides. ProtonPass is another service from ProtonMail that allows you to generate secure passwords. It has end-to-end encryption and a cool identity manager that generates unique email aliases. ProtonPass is open source and independently audited. Also, it has 2FA and encrypted notes, and you can use it on all your devices. So awesome. There is a seven-day free trial, and you can import your passwords easily from other password managers to try it out. If you upgrade your plan, you also get ProtonVPN included and Proton Drive to securely store your awesome files. So if you're looking for a good password manager by a very trusted company, check out ProtonPass. It is available for iOS and Android and as a browser extension for Chrome, Firefox, Brave, and Edge. We can't forget Edge. Yes. Don't worry, Microsoft. They got you. Got you. Got you. (laughs) Yes. So I tried Proton Pass this week. I imported from Bitwarden into Proton Pass to check it out. A lot of the same things we love about Bitwarden is also in Proton Pass. So I like that Proton's kind of creating this whole environment, their suite of products around it, you know, their calendar, their drive, all of this stuff. Uh, I think that it's really awesome that they're building all of this out for people. So you've got one place to go, kind of like the Google suite of services and things yeah. in there. And But encrypted, secure, private, all of that good stuff in there. And the independent auditing is a really important feature that they have, uh, which is a big deal here for a password manager. Because you're putting a lot of trust in the password manager. This is not something you just want to pick an app <laughs> off the app store and download one. You want somebody yeah. you've done... You, you want to make sure that the thing that you are trusting to have your most sensitive data is actually trustable to have your most sensitive data. Yeah. Yeah. So an, an audit is a fantastic way of doing it. An independent audit is a fantastic proof of that. I Do you know which did the audited? I don't know. I didn't look it up. I mean, I think it's out there because they have the actual files that you can look at for oh, yeah, independent sure. audits. But I don't know which companies actually performed it. But I think it's awesome that they're doing this and their service is really good. One of the things that I think it does better than other password managers that I've used is its autofill capabilities were on point. Like it nice. really seemed to know what site you were on and able to fill in those passwords without having to do any shortcut keys or anything like that. If you wanted it to, you can turn that off. But if you wanted that, that was a feature that it had that was really good. It looks really good. It's really brilliantly written software. We're joking about software you download for drivers that come off Dropbox and stuff earlier. This looks like 
It was made by a billion dollar corporation. It's beautiful. It's like all their, their VPN service is beautiful. Their software oh, yeah. for their VPN is gorgeous. Have you guys played with their VPN? I haven't like used the their VPN, map but I've used their other stuff. Everything. It's just beautiful. The calendar is so nice. The yeah. the, the mail is nice. Yeah, I, I use the mail. Awesome. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff from this company. So I, I'm not surprised that the Proton Pass is also a solid option too. Yeah, you know, Proton, you could sponsor us. Just saying. Like, hey, by the know, way, Proton. Just a thought. Throw it out there. You're no really, pressure except do it. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah. That's your tip and trick of the week. Sponsor no, the, the, us. The, well, <laughs> that, for them, the tip of the week for yeah. Proton is to sponsor us. But the tip of the week for you, lovely viewer, oh. not you, the lovely viewers, is how to in, get into the holiday spirit with a geeky style. Nice. So earlier we talked about cupcakes and how they're terrible and muffins and how they're amazing. But also another thing is great is the raspberry pie mm. or specifically the P.I., the pie. Actually, by the way, Five. I was looking for <laughs> a monitor to go with my pie, which we, we by the way, we all has raspberry pie fives. And we have been having a ball with them. Thanks to the yes. Raspberry Pi Foundation oh, for yes. sending this to us. You guys yes, that yeah. was awesome. Was and so I've been wonderful. using their the mouse and the keyboard that comes with it. The Raspberry Pi mouse is yeah. actually pretty decent. The keyboard is pretty decent. But they they do feel like they're not premium, which makes sense because I think they're like $10. Yeah. But uh, the Raspberry Pi 5, by the way, is... So much more performant than I was oh, expecting. Oh, so fast. I know yeah. they said it was twice as fast as the 4, but it's still shocking how much faster it was. So anyway, back to the point of my pun of the Raspberry Pi. And that is, <laughs> we're talking about how you can use the Raspberry Pi to do some cool effects for the holidays. Because, Ryan, the holidays are just around the corner. Finally. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Not wrong. So yeah. we have some Halloween ideas, and also you can get some Christmas ideas and stuff like Yay. that. And you, you'll find links in the show notes for some projects that give you some ideas of what to do with it from the Raspberry Pi Foundation, because there's a lot of cool stuff with like, you know, you can make a, a magic mirror with a Raspberry Pi, and you can have stuff popping up, and you can connect it to a projector and have it projecting some stuff onto your windows for, you know, Halloween or something like that. One of my favorites is having like a sheet that you put in front of the window and then yeah. having a projector shoot out like ghost onto the sheet. Yeah. And it, it just looks mm. really good. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Good. I love the magic mirror idea. So the magic mirror is a project I've wanted to tackle. And this is where you kind of get this mirror that you don't want to tackle a mirror, Ryan. Uh, uh, you get seven years well, of bad it, luck. No, I don't do. know what to do. Uh, <laughs> but I wanted to take on this project, and it's you know it's pretty involved to create one of these little mirrors. Like there's a lot of steps into it. Anything over ten steps to me is pretty involved. So there's a lot of steps into it. But you could create a goal version of this where you can have a ghost inside the mirror as well. So not just for your digital weather and things, but the ghost will like you have guests over, right? They go in the spare bathroom. They go in, they start washing their hands, and then blah, and then you scare the crap out of them. Just sounds amazing to me. Like there's projects like that. Are you that saying replace the actual mirror in their bathroom? Yes. With yes. this. So yes. you can freak people out. When oh. oh, that would be so brilliant. Good. I was thinking of something that could work for Christmas or Halloween. Look at Jill when you're, nice. <laughs> when your door opens, when you, you greet someone or a trick-or-treat, it opens and the Raspberry An Pi projects. Down. <laughs> projects a, a a tunnel effect of uh, projections, like a time warp. 
Oh. And mm. you, you can't see, like, they, they couldn't see me handing them candy or welcoming them, welcoming, welcoming them in the house. <laughs> Jill, Jill takes this idea of scaring people and tries to make it, like, you know. A very nice, nice loving thing. Yeah. Just a little... She I don't know how you pull off all these visual effects that you're she talking about. She takes your horror scaring people and jillifies it into yeah. a positive message right. and a positive action. I bet Nate yeah. can figure out how to figure all this stuff out. By the way, Nate, which does unbelievably cool projects with the Raspberry Pis and other devices, absolutely probably has a whole thing already set up for Halloween. He's I don't know how yeah. he has it set up exactly, but he 100% does have stuff set up. He showed off. He has one of those like screens that you have like, like with the lighting systems, you know, how like the, the lights around Christmas and they also have like yep. some, some screens that are on the side of the building and he has it set up so that um, it's mi mixed with music and stuff like that and does special effects and things. So it, it's, it's very elaborate and there's some mm -hmm. posts on his website. We'll have those links yeah. if you want to check those out. He said, in, and he's in our patron chat right now. He says, I love SBCs, which are single board computers and my house is currently orange and purple. So he's already got all that. <laughs> yeah. If you want to learn about that, check out Linux out loud. You get Wendy, you get Nate, you get Matt there. One of the podcasts we have on our network as well. And I'm sure he'll be talking about some of his awesome projects he does for the holidays. But I love that tip, Michael, because you can always find something extra to do with the Raspberry Pi. And then, you know, that's not a conspiracy, people. That's not a conspiracy. <laughs> your spouse is nagging at you to go out there, stop playing with that Linux thing, and go out there and make some decorations on the house. You could be so like, then you can play with Linux things. There. Combine them, combine <laughs> the two things, and you always win. You I know? like it. I like how you're thinking, buddy. Yeah. All right. So we got some events coming up. Ubuntu Summit is less than two weeks away. It's next week. Next week. It's less than yeah. one week away. That's yeah. true. It's next week. I, I will <laughs> be traveling fly. to. The Ubuntu Summit next Wednesday, and I will get to fly for an entire day. It's very well, your far arms away. are going to be tired <laughs> from <Yeah>. clapping. Latvia. <laughs> yes, it will. My arms yeah. will be so tired. Actually, they probably will, geez, because sitting in a chair for 15, Especially 20 hours. Airplane chairs. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna yeah. it's it's gonna be worth it because there are so many cool things at the Ubuntu Summit. In fact, this is a, a little bit of a spoiler for anybody who doesn't <gasps> know this. DreamWorks is going to be at the Ubuntu Summit giving a talk. So I plan to um, cool is that? schmooze with some DreamWorks awesome. people. And also, I'm sure Jill knows like 20 of them, you know. <laughs> She's <laughs> nodding her head yes. Yes. <laughs> of course she does. So, uh, but also, there's I'm going to do a talk. And I have partially written it this time. So it by the time I get partially there. Partially written. By the time I get there, it'll be fully written. It'll be ready. Yep. And uh, well, I'm also doing some uh, moderating of a, of a panel for the Community uh, Council of Ubuntu. They're doing an AMA, so that's going to be fun. And going to do a vlog every day for the conference, which wow. is it's, it's, it's crazy to do that. But I'm going to try it anyway because I just wanted the challenge, you know? Just so where going, are people going to see your vlog? Where will they go to watch the vlog, Michael? That's a great question I wish I had an answer for. So mm -hmm. for now, we'll just say TuxDigital.com, and I'll make sure that that is correct. So awesome. TuxDigital.com. You'll have a link on TuxDigital.com to see the vlog. Well, I'm just going to post the episodes on TuxDigital.com as well. Cool. But they'll be on uh, my YouTube channel as well. 
and uh, nice. probably some other things. So follow me on Twitter and whatnot, or X. Is it? Is it X, X now? Now I think I don't know. Zitter. I call it Zitter. 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 <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh man. Uh, I don't think Mastodon. Elon saw that one coming. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, he don't. I don't think he did. Yeah. Or uh, Mastodon. You can follow him there. So, Nate says he calls it Twix. That makes sense too. Twitter and X combined. I, I, I like that, except yeah. for also Twix is one of the best candy bars ever. So the left or right Twix, though. That's the that is the true question. Yeah. That, now, I'm gonna say mine, and you're gonna say yours okay. at the same time. Right. Okay. Right. Three, two, one. Left, left Twix. What? <gasps> Wow, we both like the left Twix. That's what? Awesome. hilarious. The left Twix is way better than the right something. Twix. Always would, has been. It is always been yeah. better. It's so <laughs> weird that we actually agree on something. Yeah. Personally, it is possible, like, people. <laughs> Personally, I like the white Twix. <laughs> the one with that's white chocolate cover. I don't think I've tried the white. <laughs> I don't think I've tried that one either, but it sounds good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so you're going to be at Ubuntu Summit. So everyone needs to be checking out TuxDigital.com for information on that next week because we won't have a show next week. Yeah. Michael's going to be off at the Ubuntu Summit. That but is we will correct. have the vlogs and other things coming out. So Lots stay tuned. of content. I'll also okay. probably post some stuff on the Destination Linux channel just so for people who are, don't get the message yet, they can get notified in that sense. So if you're subscribed to the YouTube channel on Destination Linux, you'll still get some content there because there's so much content that I'll be making. There's plenty to spread around. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope can't we wait. get all that content Michael's promising there. <laughs> Let's. Uh, I, it will happen. Jet lag thing, good, man. I know it's a thing. You're right. You're right. But I, I, I know I'm very confident it will happen. Right. I have zero confidence in how well it will be executed. So but it will happen. But it will, it will happen. It will we happen. also have exciting news to share with you. Scale 2024 is scheduled for March 14th through the 17th of 2024 at the Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California. Oh, that's so, where that is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you can hang out with Jill, Michael, and myself. So set that time aside get your pto scheduled get ready to come hang Put out it on with your us. calendar right now people yeah, right now right now cuz all three of us will be there not just me like the ubuntu summit <laughs> it actually is probably worth it just to come to see me i you know and no, if jill, jill was it there is. too obviously it's clearly oh. but she says it is <laughs> all three of us man <laughs> three for the price of one that's unbelievable what a deal well in what our case deal. it's three for the price of none cuz we're not you know we're not charging we're not charging Should we to charge admission to scale to see our booth? That's hmm. an interesting <laughs> idea. <laughs> Only Jill would the... pay because she'd just be <laughs> trying to be nice to us. Like, here's a dollar Everybody else would be like, well, no. Why would you? No. We just want to see Jill. And then Jill would be like, it's okay. You don't have <laughs> to do it. And everybody just walks around us. <laughs> yeah. we, could, we could put a, a tip bucket. <laughs> there you go. Tip us. <laughs> We'll say geeky things for food. Yeah. All right. A big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. You can come join us in a Discord. If you become a patron, you have your own special patron room to talk with other patrons there. And why become a patron? Well, Michael will tell you some other reasons why, but I'm going to tell you because this show exists thanks to them. Not everybody can afford to donate to the show, but those that can and do, are the reason this show exists for so many episodes. 345 exactly. is because of our patrons. Advertisers come and go. We can't count on that. Our patrons are what keep this show running each and every month. So thank you to all of our patrons for supporting this show. Absolutely. 
And also, if you wanted some extra perks, and uh, in addition to the the patron-only section of our Discord server, we also have a ton of other cool perks. So you have the unedited versions of the shows. You get all the full content of any time Ryan messes up. And how right and, and you see how much Jill and I are perfect in our pre- presentation skills. Don't put Jill in and, with yourself. How dare you? <laughs> what do you mean? Man. Jill is my spirit animal. I talked about this last week. Okay. So uh, you also get features of ad-free versions of the show on the tuxdigital.com slash membership patronship system. So you get all of this stuff. Everything that I've mentioned plus you get to join us live as we record it and in the patron-only post show that happens every week after the show. So, Gosh, What is this, $100 a month? I mean, what do we charge It should be. It should oh. be, but it starts at just $3 a month. That's right, just $3 a month. And it can go the more, the higher you go, the more perks you get, as you might expect how memberships work. TuxDigital.com slash membership to get all of this cool stuff. Plus, if you want to show your support to everyone around you, you can get some cool swag from the tuxdigital.com slash store. And you go to that, go to the store, you can get some t-shirts, you can get some hoodies, hats, mugs, stickers, coasters, so much stuff. And it's all fantastic. And it's going to be even more because we have some changes coming because we're going to be changing our platform provider for the store. So some of the stuff we have now is not going to be there. So you might want to get some like OG legacy cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be new stuff coming on the next platform that I am very excited about. And in fact, I'll please give you tell a, me Sinister Wendy stays there in the new store, though. Like Ryan, it's legendary. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you even okay. consider that it's not there? Because okay, not only is it there, it was the first thing I put there. Awesome. So, well, thank of goodness. course, yes. of course, it's there. And then it's, the Jill shirt, I mean, that's gone, though. No one's going to get a Jill shirt anymore. Never again. <laughs> If never they don't again. order the Jill shirt now, you will never have a Jill shirt. That's like, correct. Because technically, we we launched that when Jill joined us on, on mm-hmm. the show. And now, since she's been here for so long, we're going to have to make a, a new, new Jill, shirt. Jill shirt. Exactly. But you're not going to get the old one. Yeah, the old one is going to be like a, a classic. Uh, you're going to be like an OG person who proved you come. the Rolex of shirts, folks. The Rolex. The Rolls Royce <laughs> of yeah. shirts. Exactly. Yeah. So, tuxdigital.com slash store to get all of this and more. And make sure to check out all the incredibly awesome shows here on Tux Digital. That's right. We have an entire network of shows to fill your entire week with geeky goodness. Check out the lovely Linux Out Loud with Matt, Nate, and Wendy having a blast and sharing their awesome passion for Linux and open source. Everyone head to TuxDigital.com and subscribe to all these great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as a destination. Thanks, everyone. Left Twix for life. Penguins marching. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) See you next time, people. (laughs)